As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Unless we respect and recognise the importance of a fungi, you know, I mean, if there's no fungi, there's no plants. If there's no plants, there's no, no us. Food. No fungi, no food. Well, and no us. And no us, yes. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the On Farm podcast. It's Anna with you this week. It's definitely a not to miss this episode because uh, hugely, hugely interesting and educational. But uh, I shall let our guest introduce himself. My name is Neville Kilkenny. I'm a consultant mycologist. I do field work and laboratory work to support scientific projects and environmental projects. Right, so where are we off to now? Tell me uh, why we've got in the pickup and where we're heading. So we're just going to go down to the end of the farm road where the, the wood from Cross Hill uh, meets the road there. It's uh, actually quite an old bit of woodland. We're just going to have a look and see if we can find anything that, there that might indicate um, the age of the woodland, things like that. Okay, cool. On the way there though, um, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do? I've been on your website, which I've got to say is the coolest <laughs> coolest web domain I think I've ever encountered. <laughs> tell me, can you tell me what it is and then tell me, uh, that might give people a clue, but then tell me about you know, your day job. So fungi.co.uk is, is basically, it's a, it, it, it's a point where I can just let people know about the public events that I'm doing. That's a combination of sort of foraging style events or just general sort of biodiversity, telling people about fungi and raising the profile of fungi. But the main bulk of my work is actually surveying for sort of land management advice. For instance, we're doing a big project with RSPB at the moment, looking at different types of woodland management to see uh, what types of interventions protect or, or, or encourage the greatest biodiversity. And we do a lot of environmental impact assessment as well. Particularly at the moment, there's a big drive to plant trees, obviously, because of climate change. And there's a loss of habitat that's um, unrecognised as important. Although it's not important for vascular plants, for fungi, it's, it's very important and underappreciated. And there's a lot of unimproved grassland, for instance. Although we're very rich in these grasslands, in the European context, these grasslands are very rare. So um, we're the stronghold for these unimproved grasslands oh, across Scotland the, is that stronghold, and so well, Scotland and England actually. Okay, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Are people using that as a sort of a benchmark and a, a something to learn from? It's more a case of what we don't want to do is, is, is with this huge drive for, for people to plant trees is to plant them in appropriate places. And one of the mm. obvious places is is, is is these these grasslands, which uh, from a vascular plant point of view look very uh, um, uninteresting, but actually because of a lack of intervention or any soil improvement or anything like that for an awful long time. These are really rare habitats. Mm, yes, yeah. And so the uninitiated would say, what, what's so important about fungi? Why should we care? Why should we be interested? 
look out the window. <laughs> none, none of this would be. I mean, basically, we've got um, two 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 types of fungi. They they derive their nutrition either by recycling dead organic matter, and without those fungi recycling, the sort of 460 billion tons of dead organic matter that gets deposited on the land surface every year, we'd be absolutely drowning in the stuff, and none of this around us would be able to grow. Mm. So the fungi form the base of our food chain by recycling all this organic matter. And 90% of all plants require a fungus on the roots to be able to grow and take up enough uh, nutrients from the soil um, Gosh, to be able I to thrive. Gosh, I did not know that. Wow. So I suppose like much of, of what happens in farming and, and in rural areas and woodlands, you know, a huge amount of this is not visible. You know, we're, we're, yeah. um, na- the naivety of people like me thinking that, you know, you can see it. Um, as you say, the majority of, of the activity is totally invisible to us and going on completely um, out with our, our awareness. The statistic that I love is that um, they say that in a, in a teaspoon of healthy soil, there's six kilometres of fungal hyphae if it, all joined together. So joined together would reach from here to Haddington in a teaspoon of soil. No, yes. that's unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? Which, which, and and oh, so when we look at the importance of fungi, um, if we if we consider the potential biomass of fungi, if we restored all our soils back to health, and you think about fifty percent of the planet's soils are depauperate and and, and not yeah, healthy. Yes. If you yes. think about the fungal biomass, if we restored all those soils back to health, the amount of carbon capture within that is vast. That's phenomenal. So what what are we doing that we shouldn't be doing? And what should we be doing more of in terms of taking care of this and ensuring that it's that, that, that the fungi has the ability to continue to develop and thrive. support thrive, yeah, yeah. yeah. support uh, continue to be a necessary support structure for everything that we see. So it's really recognizing habitats and understanding why things are where they are. And one of the things we find, for instance, in our woodlands is that large diameter deadwood is one of the first things to leave the forest because everyone recognises it as a resource, whether it's fuel or, or for construction yes, or whatever. Yes. And so our woods generally are massively lacking in deadwood and especially large diameter deadwood. One of the things that, that fungi really suffer from is nitrogen um, oh, in, in, yes. in, in sort of acid rain and pollution from cars. Yes. And yeah. I'm afraid they run off from agriculture. You know, mm. um, these are huge threats to fungi. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to talk, we'll get out of the car in a minute, I'd love to talk about the connection with agriculture because I think that's, that's critical. Right, so we're out of the pickup, into the wind and heading into this wood. So I'm going to let you take over, I think, and just tell me where we're going, what we're looking for, what we're looking at. So the first thing we're looking at is the, the assemblage of you know, the vascular plants we've got here, we're looking uh, what sort of trees we've got. We've got ash trees, we've got sycamores. Uh, these are the type of trees that associate with um, what we call our buscular mycorrhizal fungi. So we won't yeah. find toadstools associated with them unless they're litter rotters. And this is one of those litter rotters. This right, is what, litter rotter. Yeah. Right. So this is what's called a cloud, a cloud agaric. Yeah. Or Clytosomy nebularis. Typically, Clytosomy, the funnel caps, this group, they have gills that come down the stem, they have a white spore print. And spore, spore colour is very, very important. The starting point of separating all the different gilled mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And the gills are just one example of a reproductive surface. And the reproductive surface okay. is where the fungus is going to make its... Yes. Where the fruiting structure, where the spores are formed. Yes, And typically I see. we have 
a reproductive structure, a cap to protect it, and a stem oh, okay. to lift it yes. above the surrounding vegetation so it can drop spores into the moving air. Gosh, yes. And all, the, all the function that you wouldn't <laughs> think about when you're just in a wood looking at this. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, the spore colour, and in this case it's white, and the, and, and the, yes. spore, the spores range from white to cream to pink to a uh, milky coffee brown, to a rusty brown, to a, a, a chocolate brown, to a purpley black, to dark wow. black. And yes. uh, we get some sort of, some fungi with, with green olivaceous spores. And in the tropics, we even get ones with blue spores. Mm -hmm. um, so the spore color is, is the starting point of identifying our fungus. And if you look right. at the mushroom guide, yes. you tend to see the ones at the beginning are ones with white spores and they slowly work back to the ones with the black spores at the back. Okay, and then yes, they go on to other types of fruiting yeah. bodies. Yes. So before we talk about that in more detail, because that, that fascinates me, we've picked this, this gentleman or lady up from the ground. What have we interrupted? What was it actually doing down there that's beneficial for what we see around us? This is literally just the fruiting structure. So this is like yep. picking the apple of the apple tree. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not actually hurting the organism whatsoever. Nope. In fact, we did a, a little experiment down at Deut Botanic Garden where we had um, a patch of chanterelles and half the patch we picked. And every year it came back with a flush of nice toadstools every, every year. And the other side we didn't pick and you could see actually it slowly waned and we think maybe the fungus died. Oh, goodness. So, right. so, it's, so it could be, it, it could be a little bit about... about pruning a plant yes, that you the, make the, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the growth more sort of vigorous. Like my dahlias that I, that I grew this summer, the more you pick, the more they flower and if you just left them, you mm. wouldn't get nearly the, as many as many buds. With, yeah. the, with the proviso that obviously if there's no fruiting bodies, if there's no flowers, mm -hmm. the organism can't reproduce. Of course, yes. So you can't yes. take everything. The fungus itself is in this upper soil horizon and it's, and it's recycling all of this leaf litter. This, this particular one is always a late fruiter. You always see it towards the end of the year. Okay. And this yeah. actually, everything this year is very, very late. And we've, this is one of the things we've noticed. A very good indicator of, 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 of uh, climate change mm -hmm. is that fungal fruiting, the period from, from the start of the season to the end of the season has almost doubled in the last 70 years. Oh, gosh. Right. So we've so, come across, I'm not going to move too far because I don't want to damage anything, but we've come across this couple there. Now these look similar but different to what we've just yes. seen over so there. So they're in the same they're in the same group, the same mm -hmm. genus. It's got a little point in the centre of the cap there. Oh yes. Um, I'll pick one of them for you. And again, we have the gills that come down the stem. Yes. So again, it's a clytosopy, it's a funnel cap. Mm -hmm. And this one is what's called the trooping funnel. And this one that is considered um, good and edible. And okay. A lot of, a lot of yeah. people eat this one. Uh, and actually, do you know that they're beautiful, mm. aren't they? Um, Absolutely stunning. I'm going um, to have to confess here that <laughs> I don't like mushrooms of any sort. <laughs> um, in fact, my husband made mushroom soup yesterday and I was like, oh, great, thanks. Do you like chocolate? Um, I like chocolate, yes. What if I, I, told, what if I told you that chocolate wouldn't be possible without a fungus? <gasps> it makes me more appreciative, appreciative <laughs> of what I'm looking at. <laughs> so the, the cocoa bean is very, very bitter when it falls uh, from the tree. Okay, but it's yes. only as it starts to rot when it starts to be decayed by fungus, it, it, it develops a sweetness. Wow, goodness. And it's the same with coffee beans as well. Yeah. Um, and you'll find actually in your supermarket shop, nearly everything you buy from the supermarket will involve a fungus involve... at some point, and it's either as an ingredient or in the way it's produced or in, in, in the way it's packaged. It's fascinating. And, and whilst I can't appreciate that, the taste of that maybe, I, I am for the first time also appreciating its, 
its beauty and its intricacy. One, yeah, of the key, one of the key characters of fungi that um, nobody ever really seems to be aware of is that fungi tend to smell. This, is, this, is, this has got quite a flowery yeah. sort of perfume scent to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but you get ones that smell of aniseed, some, some smell of marzipan, oh, really? um, some smell of leather. There's a gentle softness to that yeah. actually in the smell. So, yeah. so smell is a very important character. And this is, mm -hmm. this is one of the things that always uh, terrifies me about these apps is that so much of uh, fungal identification is all about texture and smell and um, uh, you know, how robust a fungus is, whether the stem's hollow or whether it's, 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 it's firm and things like that. And um, of course, these apps are just looking at pictures effectively. And I mean, the AI is very good. And actually, I mean, if you look at some of the larger sort of AI or, or more developed AI products that have access to thousands and billions of pictures, then sometimes these, 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 can, these apps can be spot on. But in general, apps are not great. I mean, fungi have no respect with the fruiting structure. They have no respect for size, color or shape. No, no. <laughs> <Which is> a... <laughs> and, and, and how can an app replace, as you say, mm. the sense of smell? You know, for you, that's that's a fundamental identifier, and yeah. yeah, you can't replace that. This is a very broad question, and we don't have all day. But uh, this is just really making me think. You know, what? Going back to agriculture and food production, you know, as you said, that you know, huge proportion, the the vast majority of the food we buy in the supermarket couldn't and did wouldn't exist without fungi including my chocolate favorite chocolate but what what do you think agriculture can can learn from a deeper study of fungi i think we need to invest money in in more research of fungi mycology in, in well in europe i was going to say in britain but but right across europe is in crisis um no one's funding any taxonomy um there are fewer and fewer mycologists in post and if they are in post they're they're not just working on fungi um, or they're too busy teaching to actually be able to, mm. you know, work on, on, on fungi. Also, the, um, we've now uh, discovered fungi that can degrade plastics, fungi that can make biofuels, uh, microremediate um, oil spills, things like that. So there's masses of applications of where fungi can help. Mm -hmm. And again, with, with our carbon footprint, I mean, fung fungi in general are one of these organisms which uh, have huge potential both in construction you can use fungus for packaging, um, insulation, you can laminate boards instead of using glues. You know, you can make bricks out of fungi. Potentially, you could make car parts oh, out of fungi. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. And then, of course, it's all biodegradable. Yes. And what's more important is it's a circular economy. Let's say you've got your agricultural waste, you've got all your husks from your cereals. You then can grow a fungus in that. You could potentially grow a crop of mushrooms from that. And then that fungus can then... Um, that, that organic matter, um, the fungus be allowed to grow through it completely and then into a certain shape that you can use as a brick or a component yes. or as a, a block of insulation or, or whatever. You, you, you cook out the fungus and if you do it under pressure, um, it can be an incredibly strong um, this is fun. This is just phenomenal. We've created about 170 episodes of this podcast and I don't think my eyes have ever been opened to this extent <laughs> by any other episode. This is just mind-blowing. But and also, I mean, going back to what we we're saying about um, soil restoration and the potential mm. of carbon sequestration through fungal biomass yes, in very soils. Important. What we're doing to our soils at the moment, the constant disturbance of soils is uh, really detrimental to fungi. And um, the lack of organic matter within the soils as well is mm -hmm. hugely detrimental. 
I guess the more we can move to processes where there's a minimum tillage yeah. into crops planted between um, crops and then and sown back into putting organic matter into the soils, that sort of thing is always going to um, help mm. help fungi. One of the things that, that really stands out is um, also with this huge drive to plant trees, a lot of farmers are turning to that as a source of income uh, because there's, there's a lot of companies wanting to offset their carbon and the yes, easiest way is to buy yeah, land, yeah. whether it's agricultural land or, or, or unimproved grassland or whatever, yes. buy that land, plant trees and you know banks are prepared to lend them money for that, it's a good mm -hmm. investment and like that. But those trees, if you plant straight into an agricultural field, especially if they're trees that associate with the, with, with fungi that make toadstools, so the ectomycorrhizal fungi, mm -hmm. those fungi aren't there. So those trees no, will so just they die. they will not survive. What a waste yes. of time and money. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, and yeah. there are companies now that are thinking ahead and, and, and working with forestry, large forestry organisations and introducing inoculated fungi, uh, whether on rootstock or, or um, in other applications, so they can introduce these fungi to those sites. But again, it's something people don't think about is that uh, these trees just planted out into an arable field are not going to live. They're not because they don't have what they need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if some of this stuff is is taught if you know if you, if you go to agricultural college you know are they learning this kind of stuff because it's fundamental surely to um to farming but also to the, you know to some of the diversified projects that people are are looking to get into like trees and, and forestry like they, people need to know this i mean there are a lot of farms I, I i speak to that are aware of this but i think it's i think it's only people that have done the research themselves i don't I'm not aware of it no, being No, the people who are, who are interested and, and, yeah. and keen to learn. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Yeah, going back to the, pub, the public-facing stuff that you yeah. do, um, if I was on one of your, your days, what else would you be showing me? What else would I be learning if I was with you for the day? I'd be, well, I'd be telling stories a bit in the same way that I've told you about the importance of the fungi, the way they affect our lives. Mm -hmm. I'll be introducing uh, some, some fungi which are considered really good to eat. I'll be yeah. telling about what they're doing with the, um, in the environment, why they, are, why they are where we find them. And I'll say this, this, this fungus grows particularly with this tree because it's mycorrhizal with this tree and you'll mm -hmm. only find it with this, whereas that fungus grows with several different trees and so on. And, and also, you know, I'll be saying to people, there are... We estimate about two and a half um, million species of fungi out there. A mushroom guide that has an awful lot of species. There's, there's Sir Roger Phillips's guide, which I think has about 1,200, 1,250 species. It's no just worries. the, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And if you go out, if you go out and try and identify all the mushrooms you're going to encounter, you're just going to get disappointed because it's a huge diversity. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not an expert, but I would say roughly there's about 70 land mammals in Britain, about 700 species of bird, about 200 species of bryophytes and things like that. A bit more manageable. Uh, and, and, you know, when, you, when you encounter, I mean, there's, there's uh, estimated uh, 12,000 species of fungi in Britain. Um, potentially, the, the diversity could be double that. Gosh, um, yeah. We're describing new species every year. And as I say, across the world, we estimate it's about 5 million. Mm -hmm. So trying to identify everything is, is uh, a bit of a no-brainer for uh, people out of forest. So it's much better to try and get to know one or two mushrooms and get to yes. know them really well. Yes. And sort of go away, collect those mushrooms yourself, reinforce your, your, your confidence. You can maybe bring mushrooms back to um, another walk and say, I found this. Is that what I think it is? Yeah. And, you, know, you, yes. you, you get confirmed. And when you're absolutely sure of that, you can move on to another one. Yes. And slowly yeah, you can build up a little repertoire of that 10 right, species. Right, right. And, 
if you you know if you if you know the best 10 species and know what they could be mistaken for and you know the sort of 10 species that are similar that could potentially kill you then to be honest you you're pretty pretty safe already yeah. the point is really just to start and it yes, could be yes. it could just be with a puffball mm -hmm. uh, which is fairly safe and easy to identify yeah and there you are you've already found your dinner you found so you've got you know you've you've got that feel good thing you've, you've got, had yeah, forage you've, first you've found box, yeah first um you haven't killed yourself box. and and you know you've you've begun to notice the habitat where you find yes, them and you notice yeah, the differences and slowly slowly you're engaging more and more in your environment that's the thing is that mm. we become more and more detached yeah, and these yeah. are really important they when you look at the plants and the communities and things like that they speak in volumes I mean, you can just see just from for instance the nestles here that's mm -hmm. telling us there's a little bit of extra nitrogen coming off the fields and things like that yeah. as we go into the woodland what we'll start finding is things like dogged mercury you might find bluebells you'll find um, herb roberts you'll find lesser celandine and these are all indicators that this is ancient woodland and then you as we wander through we'll find some old stumps and on those there'll be bracket fungi that when we when we look at the brackets we turn them over and it looks a bit like a, a maze all the sort of um, oh, okay. The pores are stretched in a sort of higgledy-piggledy way, and um, it's it, it's a sort of interim stage between. I always think of it as a, a fungus. Every fungus aspires to be a guild fungus, and they start <laughs> off. A lot of the bracket fungi are poroid. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're trying to get to that goal. And so the pores yeah. slowly stretch, and in that sort of evolutionary interstage, they have this this maize gill structure, and yeah. you get one on the stumps in here. It's the oak maize gill, okay, and so we, yeah. first of all, it tells us that's an oak stump. And secondly, yeah. that oak, yeah. that, that, that oak maize gill is one of the indicator species we have for ancient yeah. oak woodland. So it tells us that this is really, really old woodland. And I think the more you tap into that, the more you understand yeah. what's going on. You appreciate what's really important habitat, what's, what should be protected, what shouldn't be interfered with. Yes, and, and you know, we, we hear, don't we, about oh, you can't do this because, of, because there's bats and you can't do that because there's badgers or whatever, but actually that's because they're seen and they're visible and people kind of can connect with them, but people have not had the opportunity to connect in the way with, with the fungi and they don't, don't have that understanding. And so, yeah, that's what you're there for, I suppose, from a, you know, in an environmental impact assessment type way. Yeah, and, mm. and I mean, they are... We can count on one hand the number of species that have legal protection in Britain. We have um, thresholds of certain suites of, of, of fungi. We have ones for grasslands, we have ones for oak woods, we have one for dune fungi, um, and we have one for, for Caledonian pine forest, for instance. And we have thresholds that um, recognise sites as important with potential um, notification um, for sites of special scientific interest. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, fungi have very little protection. Yeah. It really worries me when you when you see sort of things like sort of people demonstrating because of um, bats being disturbed. Because it's, I mean, you look at HS2 and mm. on the amount of ancient woodland that um, yeah. was was intervened with there. And I, I think, well, yes, we probably did do bat surveys and mammal surveys and things like that. How many fungal surveys happened? Very few, I would yeah, suggest, imagine. if any. Uh, I, I, said, I mean, there aren't many of us doing it. And um, and certainly, I'm not aware of anybody being asked to work on that project. For no, instance, no goodness, that um, just shows, doesn't it? And then um, also understanding how to, you know, if you if, if there is no choice, if 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 you have to go through that 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 piece of land, what's the mitigation? How do you deal with that? Yes, and yes. Uh, we've seen a little bit of translocating soils, that sort of stuff. But um, one of the things. Um, that, we've looked at is underplanting um, veteran trees with bait seedlings and then lifting okay. the bait seedlings with the root ball intact 
and moving that away from the development. So you so oh, you keep so the mycorrhizal, you take the mycorrhizal fungi you. away. Yes. So if you are doing compensation planting, you've got yes. the associated fungi going with it. Similarly, the trees, if you've got large diameter trees and stuff like that, they're taken to the new site as well and laid down so that the, mm -hmm. the, the, the wood decay fungi are there as well. So yes. you're trying to keep as much of the of the um, um, environment of the habitats um, yeah. intact. But of course you can't do that unless you've done the survey in the first place and you've got, presumably you need time yeah. to be able to, to enact yeah. that. So, yeah. But I mean at the end of the day, I mean that's, that's, that's never going to replace what was no, the ancient no. woodland or, or, or the ancient piece of grassland. No. What type of people come along for a day with you to, to, to learn all this? Uh, a very, very broad spectrum. We play a lot. I've got a lot of um, fantastic friends that are, are, are foragers, and they're really creative, and they, they they share lots of tips of what you can do with your mushrooms. You can, you, you, there's, there's there's like a jelly ear mushroom. You can dip in some of the exotic liqueur. You can maybe, um, oh, okay. yeah. you've, you've you've got buck and birch from from McMerry oh, that make yes. a really nice elder elder elixir, yes. and you can you can marinate your mushroom in that and and, and, and dip it oh, in chocolate, wow. dip it in chocolate, and yeah. have a little you know sort of. Um, there's probably a mushroom out there for me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and you know they make lovely sort of um, uh, potions, liqueurs, and things like yes, that. And, um, yeah. Very 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 versatile in the way that you use, use plants and fungi, and um, we love to play with that. Um, and you always get lots of wow from from people that are interested yeah, in, in, in in the foraging side of it. And so we go from that where we just show the huge diversity of of flavors. You, I mean, you know we imported all these spices from across the world and actually we've got all these flavors here in scotland um, i wonder yeah. if we can find let's just take a tiny little wonder yep. i'm looking for some old hogweed the seeds basically um, um they've got a flavor somewhere between ginger and cardamom and the okay. flavor is really intense several of my foraging friends make make a really nice hogweed seed parking um, which oh, is absolutely wow. delicious. In fact, I saw some of it in our garden this morning and I thought to myself, I must remember that that's there because I was going to use it as a part of my Christmas decorations, but now I could use it... Well, just um, pick, pick, for, pick up yes. the seeds. I mean, it's from the carrot family and there's, there's, there's you know, sort of hemlock water, uh, drop water and things like that in that family as well. So wow. uh, you do have to be careful, obviously, yes. and know what you're doing. Things, syrup, syrups you can take from, from different trees, like mm. the round tree, the buds and stuff like that have a blue, beautiful almond taste. Oh, I okay. actually got a, I got a first prize in the Gifford, Gifford Flower Show oh, for, my, for my um, uh, round shoot amaretto. Oh, well uh, done. <laughs> but um, also, I mean, we then take up other groups, like for instance, I work with the ranger service here in East Lothian and, and take them out and try and explain to them how they can talk to people about fungi, oh, but without right. having to identify them. You know, yes, again, telling, yes. telling stories and telling about yes. the relationship they have with plants or the importance of them and so on and so on. Yeah. Uh, or how so they that's kind of a sort of an educational remit, I suppose, is to, to, to what you do to, yes. to ensure yeah. that other people can kind of spread, spread yeah. the word. And then yeah. it goes right from, from that to people that actually want to learn to identify fungi. And we do uh, workshops at the Botanic Garden where we bring people yeah. you know, in, in, indoors and start keying things out, introduce them to using microscopes. Because a lot of, you know, if you go for a walk with somebody and they're saying to you, oh, this is this fungus, that's that, and, and, and they're naming everything they encounter, they're probably telling you fibs. A lot of uh, these things actually need microscopic examination yes. to be able to uh, get to species Yes, yeah. Foraging has a big role to play in, in connecting people with the, with the environment and, and people's health and well-being yes. and things like and that. And it's a hook, I suppose. The foraging is a hook for yeah. you to 
get people out and for them to learn more about the conservation yeah. side as well and if you are going to forage do it on a small scale and don't pick everything that's there just pick a, a small proportion and 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 i guess also try and educate yourself before you go yeah um yeah i mean so there's that, nothing yeah. worse than seeing people posting pictures on on the internet are sort of so oh what's this can i eat it and they've got this huge basket for when you like well, well that's out before you, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that's so true that's so true you know you've said it, we've got to be very careful you, you don't want to scare people but identification is kind of key does it happen very often that somebody eats the wrong mushroom and ends up yes in a pickle? Uh, and 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 you know we 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 get calls from the kids' hospital, or occasionally, you know, we support National Poisons Information Service about cases. I would say probably we get between half a dozen, dozen cases each year. Um, right. Very rarely is, is it. Is that UK wide or in Scotland? Uh, no, um, we cover Scotland and Northern Ireland. Oh, okay. Um, England yeah. is covered by yeah. Q. Yeah. So it's not vast, but at the same time, it's enough that people just need to be a bit. Be a bit careful. And yeah, and, yeah, and the thing is also that if you're eating a fungus for the first time, the degree of poisoning is directly related to how much of it you've eaten. Uh, yes. So if you eat only a small bit and see if you have an adverse reaction, and also keep keep a sample in the fridge or something, because it's a lot easier to identify so a mushroom, from it, mushroom rather than from your yes. stomach contents. Yeah, so. I bet, I bet. And as you said, different people have different reactions to, to certain yeah. things. So yeah. again, it's a, it's a kind of case-by-case thing. I suppose. And have you ever suffered any effects yourself? Or no, you, no, no I'm, but no. I'm quite cautious about what I eat. I, I, I yeah. don't, I'm not hugely adventurous about the different species. I like my chanterelles no. and sets and things like that, and I tend to, <laughs> tend to stick to those. Keep it safe. So now we're upstairs in your office and you've got the microscope here. So you're going to kind of just talk me through a little bit about yeah. how, uh, how to identify. Yeah. So you've got, as I said, we can see the vast library. Oh, goodness, yes. Um, and I'll show you a little bit about the, little of the process. This is, this is a lovely series of books that has recently come out. And it's a new way of looking at things. In the tr traditional way of looking at, looking at keys, mm -hmm. we've always sort of basically asked questions, what we call a dichotomous key. Okay. Um, yes. And, yes. And then we moved on to what they call a synoptic key, where um, you sort of were offered a suite of characters that you you could cherry pick, and that would give you a code. Let's say you'd say if it's got a yellow cap, then that's 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 A, and if it's got a, a white stem, that's B, and if it's got dots on the stem, then that's a G, and you get mm -hmm. these sort of A C G, whatever. Yeah, and, 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 and that gives you a code. Work and that, your way down, I suppose. Yes. So, but this. This oh, this is gosh. a great series of books. So it's basically it's beautiful, isn't it? As well. Yeah, you start. I mean, obviously, this 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 requires um, a microscope. But you look at mm -hmm. basically the type of reproductive structure, whether it's producing spores on what we call the basidia, or whether it's producing spores in little tubes called asci, and then if it's growing on wood, and roughly what the form oh, type is. And yeah, so you can. Yeah. You know, and you break out all the different form types and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, so it's not just what it looks like; it's where it's growing as well as part of the. Very process. much so, yes, yeah. yeah. And so, but this will give you a sort of idea of the sort of characters that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And you know, here you've got sort of do the gills come down the stem? Has it got pores underneath? Is it yes. a bracket? Um, we're standing here in front of your PC. So what? What are we? So uh, a file called Random Fungi. Random cool. Fungi. Yes. So. Uh, let me find a really good example of how we go about identifying a fungus. We've got a picture of a fungus here that um, is found in a bit of ancient oak woodland. And it's quite a rare fungus. Um, mm -hmm. It's called Cortinaris violaceus. The um, fungus here, you can see it's staining red. Yes. In the yeah. flesh there. 
here, this is, this, is, this is the fungus in question caught in this violation. This is the national checklist. Mm -hmm. And it says conservation status, endangered, red daedalus, near oh, threatened, okay. so on and so on. And it, and it gives you the habitat, peaty yes. soils, deciduous woodland. Yeah, so you've got um, all that information there that you can yeah. use to, yeah. It says um, spores, uh, 11 to 13 by 7 and a half to 8 microns, almond-shaped, moderately spiny, uh, which you mm -hmm. saw in the photograph. Yes. Uh, presumably in deciduous with with um, aspen or, or, or birch or beach, and it gives you the cap size and it describes mm -hmm. it. Uh, so you've got a lot the of detail there. Yeah. And, and then it gives you the name of the species. Yes. Of course, so, wow. so, you, so you work through the key yeah. and eventually you come up to a description like that. And, and you really... pretty much get a result every time, do you? Or do Not you sometimes a, no. think, oh, yeah, still uncertain about this? Yeah, yeah. and, which, and then, then that's where new technology comes in. We have what's called the Bento Lab, which is a miniature um, little thing, um, which you can basically um, you use chemistry. Uh, it's quite simple chemistry to extract DNA. You break down the okay, cells, yes. you extract the DNA. With the Bento Lab, you have the the, the, the potential to um, amplify that DNA. You basically break down mm -hmm. um, the carbon ties and and and, and into, into short 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 pieces, and they they then um, grow and expand, and you, you you break them down again, and they grow further, and so on, and, uh, and eventually yes. you get enough base yeah. pairs. So you can send that sample with the amplified DNA away to Aberystwyth University. Mm -hmm. They'll give you a sequence. And once you get that sequence, you can blast that into a database. Okay. And you'll see whether you have a match yes. for your species. So somebody somewhere can always find the answer, even if you... Yeah, yeah and you may find mm. it's new to science. I and mean, you may find that oh, there, there is yes, no match. Yes, there's no unidentified as yet. Yeah. yeah, wow. This has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much. You're welcome genuinely one of the most interesting podcasts I've recorded hugely educational as well so I thoroughly enjoyed that thank you very much Neville thank you also of course to our sponsor this week so that's Bell Ingram thank you again uh, for your continued support of the podcast and uh, thank you for listening we shall be back again next week